Amen. Children, the youngest children, if you haven't been dismissed already, you may leave for Sunday school. Can I hear somebody say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Mm. I've been looking at conversations with Jesus. I've been preaching a few of them. Last week I preached from John chapter 5 and the man that was healed at the pool of Bethsaida. This week I want to move to John chapter 6. And I'd like to look at a conversation that Jesus has with the disciples, but the miracle that happens. And quite often the conversations that you see, there is a miracle attached. And many miracles are an instantaneous, be healed, they're healed. But this account, this illustration, this story, and it's a real story from John 6, The miracle actually was something that happened in the process. Sometimes we can see a miracle happen immediately, and other times we can see a miracle that can happen in progress. And and I want to look this morning at the conversation that Jesus has when he feeds 5,000. And many of you have heard me. this, This passage just... It catches me. I, I, I don't know if I could tell you I have a favorite passage because every time I look in the scripture, something jumps out and I go, oh, I love this and I like this. But this one just keeps catching me and grabbing me. 5,000 men. And if you read the scriptures, you'll find out that this, this and the resurrection are the only two miracles that are recorded in all four Gospels. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot of stuff in common, and John was written uh, near the end of John's life, much later, and many people believe that he was asked to write the epistle to also to explain things or to bring in uh, another perspective of Christ. And every one of the Gospels has a different flavor or different direction. For instance, those that have been with us in the Bible school, who finished the first year Bible school, does, does anybody, and, and I'm not going to pick on you, but I'm looking at you, um, does any of you want to say what Matthew, who, who was Matthew written to? I, I hear it quietly. Jews. Matthew was written to the Jewish people, and it And so the flavor or the style of writing that the Holy Spirit spoke through and had Matthew write actually had a flair or a flavor that actually touched or affected the Jewish people, their mind, their thought. And this is important when you read a scripture because sometimes we'll take a verse, but we don't understand everything behind it. So when you look at Mark, he is written to a certain audience. And you look at Luke, and I believe Mark was written, I believe, to the Romans, and I believe Luke was written to the Greek. I could have that backwards. But they were, they were written, and, and some of the words that are actually used in those passages attach or connect with that group. Well, John comes, and he found, as they studied John, they found that he was written to a large, wide audience. 
he touched everywhere. But how he touched Jesus and how he talked about Jesus and how he wrote about Jesus was very conversational. Whereas if you look at some of the, the writings in Matthew and Mark, there, there's parables. There's no parables in John. But if you want to get a picture of Jesus, you get this amazing picture as you study John. And what you find is in John, one of the things that Jesus has is he has a lot of interaction with people. Not just his disciples, but with people. And this one is the feeding of 5,000. And it gets me every time because I, I just think, can you imagine having five loaves of bread and apparently it's barley bread which according to the uh, books and the commentaries I read was kind of like the cheap bread it was this child was just his mom gave him something just very simple but can you imagine having five loaves and then the fish they figured was some kind of pickled fish because that's how it would stay um, fresh or stay good so you couldn't just pull it out of the, the water, you'd think of refrigeration and those things. So it was a process via pickling or some process. And they don't think they were super large. And I don't think this little boy had, you know, a three-pound uh, sardine or a three-pound trout. So can you imagine five loaves of bread and two fish and an audience of 5,000? And you look at that, now, five loaves and two fish would not do this congregation right now. And we're plus or minus 100. So it gets me every time. In today's world, I, you'll often hear me, you know, three or four Happy Meals. A few fish, fish fillets and a bunch of chicken nuggets or something like that. So I want, I want us to look at this passage, and I want you to see a miracle in this passage. And one of the other things that's in this chapter, in this chapter, the word bread is used 17 times in the Greek. Now, when I was in Sunday school, before I even was in Bible school and learning, what I learned was when a word is repeated, you want to pay attention to why is that word repeated? What's the common word? If you're studying a passage and you see a word repeated, take a look at that word. Even if it's the word and, take a look at why is that word repeated? So this passage, the word bread, is repeated. And what I find amazing is Jesus takes a natural example of feeding people, and he has this conversation, and then he brings in a spiritual aspect using the same example. And the word bread that he uses in the spiritual aspect is actually the same word that he uses in the natural. Sometimes those words change. And he makes this claim twice in this passage where he says, I am the bread of life. And this morning, we had an amazing time of worship. We had the presence of God here with us. 
I know the presence of God is with me all the time, but there's something about gathering together, worshiping him, that there's an actual stirring or there's something that, and I, and I, I don't understand it all the time because I have his presence with me. He's with me. He's in me. He's on me. He's around me. And yet I feel stirrings from him. I feel moving from him. I feel, I, I sense a, a breathing from him. This morning, I believe God was speaking powerfully, giving hope giving hope. And so I want to take a few minutes and I just want to look at some of these aspects of Jesus saying that he's the bread of life. And I want to start by just looking at the actual example or the actual um, story of the 5,000 people getting fed. So if you've got John chapter 6 right there, we're going to just start in verse 1, and we're going to go to about verse 14, the end of verse 14. And I may stop as we read this a little bit, because there's some things that aren't, I didn't write down all my notes, but there's some interesting things in here. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw the signs which he performed on those who were diseased. One of the things I've said is in our conversation, sometimes people were chasing after God or Jesus would say something and he was speaking at this level, but people caught it only on this level or they didn't catch it. And here it's the same thing. They're chasing after Jesus, not necessarily to have a relationship with him, but to get a benefit. They saw the signs, they saw the wonder. And I believe in signs and wonders. But they always point to something and someone, and that's Jesus. I want signs. I want wonders. The Word of God says that they will follow us. But they are directing towards Jesus. It's not about the man that does it or the woman that does it. It's about Jesus. So they followed him because of those that he performed them. And Jesus went on the mountain, and he sat there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, and I just love this, and sometimes Jesus likes to mess with our minds. Sometimes he likes, I, he says, Philip, where shall we buy bread that they may eat? Good question. How would you answer that question? I... I I have found in all these conversations that the responses these people have are actually responses that resonate with me. And I'm learning how to see how Jesus sees. But if we're being totally honest, if we've got a group this large and somebody brings one loaf of bread in and then they say, how are we going to feed them? How are you going to respond? So Philip says, well, I've got 200 denaro worth of bread, and it's not going to be enough. Or I've got 200 denaro worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them would have a little. 200 denaro was roughly six or seven months' wages. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, and of course, when you read this, you find out he is Simon Peter's brother because this is something his brother would have done. Simon Peter, 
He says, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. Would you bring to somebody in a group of 5,000, would you actually bring in front of that whole group and say, I found five loaves and two fish. I got to give Andrew kudos here. Because if I had that and somebody would say, give it to Jesus, I'd be looking at it going, are you crazy? Five loaves and two fish? Like, that was the kid's meal, and we want to multiply that by 5,000 plus? But Andrew, and maybe Peter pushed him because Peter says, I've been in the Gospels too many times, now it's your turn to get your name in there. You, you give it to him. I, I, but, but they're brothers. Peter had a habit of saying things out of place. So I can just see this, this runs in the family. Here, Jesus, I got this great idea. Here's five loaves and two fish. And Jesus takes it. And in verse 10, he says, make the people sit down. Now, there was a lot of grass in the place, so they sat down, and the number of them was about 5,000. And in Matthew, it says, and that's just the men. And that's why some people will say ten to 15,000. To me, 5,000 is a large amount. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Read that with me. Just, just read that last phrase. As much as they wanted. Hmm. Jesus is the bread of life. When we read this and we continue on in this conversation, we find out that he is the bread of life. He is as much as people need. In fact, you find out that he even is more than enough. This morning, people were touched and the word hope came through and resonated. I'm here to tell you that when Jesus offers something, it doesn't diminish when he goes from person one to person two to person three. What you get when Jesus offers his hope, you get his hope. You get all of him. It doesn't end up at the bottom, at the end of it, number 20 or number 30, that he goes, well, guys, it's starting to wear a little thin. With Jesus, you get everything of him. You get all of him. In fact... You get, just like this verse said, as much as they wanted. Let's continue reading. So when they were filled, say when they were filled. So not only did they get as much as they wanted, but they were filled. He said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Think about this. Jesus is the bread of life. And in this conversation, he is allowing the disciples to be a part of this miracle. And I don't think, and I don't see any evidence of the scriptures, but it, it seems like he just kept breaking 
and passing, breaking and passing. He didn't bless it and all of a sudden, whew, three semi-loads or three donkey loads of food sat there that he goes, ah, oh, no. He just kept breaking. He just gave, kept giving. He just kept adding and saying, here's, here's some more bread. Take that next group of 50. Here, take this. And what's amazing is Jesus gave it from him to his disciples. And his disciples were the ones that actually took it to the people. You have the bread of life in you. And you have enough of the bread of life in you that you can give to others and you will never run out yourself. You have so much of Jesus in you that not only do you have enough to give them, but they will be filled. Everything, everyone around you, I believe from reading this passage, that everybody around you, you have the ability and the capacity with Jesus in you to meet what they need. And it's not you, it's Jesus. But Jesus gave it to his disciples and they were the ones that walked the miracle out. You are a part of the miracle that Jesus wants to happen in somebody's life. I got a couple amens. I'll say it again. You are a part of the miracle that Jesus wants to happen in somebody else's life. You have the bread of life. You know the bread of life. You have him in you. So when they were all filled, he said to gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And then these men... When they had seen the sign that Jesus did, he said, truly he's a prophet who's come into this world. I want you to see a few key words here. Because I believe every one of us, as a believer, as a disciple of the king, has a part of this passage that we can fulfill and that we can live. And by the way, the disciples were not perfect in this example. We think the disciples were on some other level. No, in fact, if you find out after this and before this, they would argue about who was greatest in the kingdom. <laughs> they would have fights that little kids would have. One of them or two of them had their mom come to Jesus and say, hey, when they get to heaven, can one sit on your right hand and one on your left? And when the other guys found out, they weren't happy about it. This is the crew that Jesus used to change the world. One of them doubted. In fact, of the 12, one of them even denied and, and betrayed Christ. So if we want to say we want to be like Christ, boy, he had quite an interesting group around him. 
And I think I mentioned this before. The age of these guys wasn't like in their 30s. They have studied it and they have found and they have say that most of the disciples were in their late teens or early 20s. Gulp. They didn't have it all together. When you look at Luke 9, because it's found in the chapter 9 of Luke, you actually find out before that happened in Luke 9 is one of the passages where Jesus sent them out two by two, and they went out and they saw miracles happen, and miracles happen. And then they come back and they start telling Jesus about all this, and then he feeds 5,000. And what's funny is the next day, The next day, after feeding 5,000, that evening, he tell, they, they take off on a boat across the shore, and Jesus stays back and he prays, and somehow in the middle of the night, he gets across the water, and they see him on the water, and they freak out. I thought they were spending time with him. You know, we sometimes beat ourselves up. I'm here to offer you hope this morning. I'm here to offer you hope. Jesus, the bread of life, says, I'm here for you. And I find it interesting because in this natural example, we see that he took little and he multiplied it and everybody was satisfied. So if you're taking notes, bread of life satisfies. The bread of life satisfies. You have something inside of you when you accept Christ and you yield your life to Christ, you take on, it says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. He's taken you from the kingdom of darkness and put you into the kingdom of life. You are no longer who you used to be. You are no longer who you used to be. Now you are a representative, an ambassador of the king. Jesus lives inside of you. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But he uses us and chooses us. And he says, David, inside of you, you have what somebody else needs. Not only do you have what they need, but you have more than enough to take care of of what they need. And don't think, oh, if I give away what I have, I'm going to be deficient. When we read this and we see the bread of life walking into the situation, it just keeps multiplying. Not only did they fill, they had enough, they were full, but they had left over. Think about that. Jesus, in you, the bread of life, in you has enough inside of you that I believe any person that comes to you looking hungry, they will be filled, satisfied, and you'll have left over. Think about that. We live in a society of hoarders. Come on, we do. There's things, oh, I can't give this away. I can't give that away. I can't give this precious thing away that I don't use, but, you know, one day, maybe in another six years, I'll need it. And it's ancient, but I can't give it away. And I got to store this, and I got to store that. The gospel is a gospel of giving. The gospel actually is 
good news. So when we read the gospel, we read the good news of Jesus Christ. So when somebody comes up to you, the bread of life that you have is actually good news to them and for them. Think about that. You have good news inside of you. Good news. So I want you to see a few things. People were hungry. People were hungry. Jesus knew what he wanted to do. He, di he didn't go, oh, man, how many is out there? 5,000. Man, I thought it was just us 12. How did that happen? Oh, man. I got to rethink this. I had an idea, and it would work for maybe 12 to 15, maybe 20, but 5,000. No, Jesus had a plan already. In fact, it says in, the, in this passage that he asked Philip to test him. <laughs> I would have failed that test because I would have said the same thing Philip said. And in these conversations that, that we've been looking at, I have found that too many times I'm thinking down here and Jesus is up here. He already has a solution. And what I have found is when Jesus starts to talk to you, he talks to you on purpose. He talks to you with a purpose. He talks to you with a reason. He, he might ask you, do you think you could do it? And he already knows the answer. It's yes. But what he wants to do is he wants to see, where are you at? The conversation, when, if Jesus, I think, we need to, I think we need to get a little radical with our relationship with Jesus. Because we, quit, we, we, we so often put it on our terms. We so often, I mean, math, uh, Philip, and um, Andrew both related to the condition. They didn't look to the solution. One of them said, we don't have enough. And the other guy said, there's too many people. One of them said, I've only got 200 denarii. That's not enough for everybody. The other guy says, we got five loaves and two fish, but that's not enough. Quit looking at what's in your hand. Quit looking at what you can do. Quit looking at your resources. Quit looking at your limitations. Quit looking at your lack. Quit looking at your inability. Quit looking at the minimal and start looking at what he has. I would tell you if he's brought you into a group of 5,000, he will take care of the food to feed the 5,000. If he's brought you before something, trust him that he has brought you there and he knows what he'll do and he will be the bread of life that you will distribute to people around you. Amen. And this morning, 
I, I want to stir you up. I want to stir you up this morning. Because some of you are looking around saying there's no hope. Yes, there is hope. His name is Jesus. And if we look at what we have, we'll see the 200 denarii. We'll see the five loaves and the two fish. And we will miss what he wants to do, what he sees, or what he's saying. And we will look at that and we'll say, this is not enough. When he says, no, bring it to me. Put the people down. Get them in order. Set them in groups. And let's start doing it. And then what he does is he makes you a part of the miracle. You are part of the miracle of Jesus, the bread of life, in somebody else's life. We are not made just to say, thank you, Jesus, I'm waiting to get to heaven. I don't believe it. I don't see it in the scriptures. I see it that I'm made in his likeness so that I can take his likeness to somebody else and see them pulled from the snatches of hell and made a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am the one that has the answer for somebody else. This week I saw somebody I'd known. And I just crossed paths with him. And I turned around and I called him. And I know this gentleman. And his face, his eyes were empty. And I've been relating with him. And my heart goes out to him. I have the bread of life in me that I can give him. And the despair that I saw in his face, I've never seen it before. His eyes were blank. I don't know about you, but I can look in somebody's eye and I, it says in the Bible, the eye is the window to the soul. Take a look in somebody's eye. Is that eye full of life? I walked away from there and my heart just was grabbed because I saw despair that I'd never seen before. I saw sadness. I saw hopelessness that I'd never seen before. And I am not satisfied that he is just going to... I, I, I said, Lord, I've had coffee with him enough. Next time, you're in this equation and you're the main focus and you are going to be in this conversation. I've had coffee enough. It's time to move up to the bread of life. I've had it enough. Now, yes, I know you need to read the situation, but Jesus read the situation and you read on, you find out that he went for the jugular and he says, I am the bread of life. He didn't just, wasn't just satisfied with feeding them. He was satisfied only when he could give them who he was. And I'm not saying that you, you fish and you change the bait. I'm real and I'm honest, but he knows that I have a relationship with God. And I'm going to offer him some bread 
Because I have found the only bread that satisfies is the bread of life, who is Jesus. It's not philosophy. It's not ideas. It's not six steps this way. It's, it's Jesus Christ, the King of kings. He is the bread of life. And this morning, some of you have been struggling with hope. I'm here to tell you that you have inside of you the resources, the being, the person of Christ dwelling inside of you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, He lives in you. He quickens you. He makes you alive. You are not deficient. You need to pull on that resource. You need to take that. You need to live it. Jesus said, if you read this passage on, He literally says, unless you eat of me and drink my blood... He got like, he pushed it. But until you literally take this word and make it your life, you've got to do, I, I've got to be strong with you. You can't just put this on the back of your car and say, I'll see you next Sunday. That is foolishness. That's not wisdom. And then Monday morning comes and you pull your hair out. This may have the answer to your hair solution. There's bread in here. You need to start. I, I can't. You've got to eat it. Quit listening to Dr. Phil and Judge Judy and Oprah. Start looking, listening to the Son, the Father, and the Holy Ghost. Start meditating on His Word. Start saying, this Word, this is my manual. This is my bread. It is in me. Quit looking elsewhere for the solution. Don't look at it through addictions. Don't look at it through something else. Look to Him. Because you have him inside of you. And there's a world outside of you that is within your reach. That is screaming, calling, and asking for hope. And you have that hope. You have the bread of life in you. Do you hear me this morning? If you read the rest of this chapter... He has a couple more conversations about the bread of life. And basically he says, believe me. Believe me. Believe me. I wrote down a few thoughts of why do I love Jesus? Why do I love him? Because he's more than enough. He fed 5,000 and they had leftovers. <laughs> In fact, they had more leftover than when they started. <laughs> you think, well, I'm going to deplete my resources. Try them. Try them. Try them. Oh, I'm going to get tired. Try them. Try them. 
We make excuses we don't even try. You know what? I'd, ra I'd rather make an attempt trusting him and going forward than not making an attempt at all. You say, well, that's all you. No, no, I'm, I'm learning how to walk with Christ. I'm learning how to walk in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. But I have sat back too long. I have something that's pretty good. It's called the bread of life. It's Jesus Christ. Why do I love him? Because he gives you as much as you want. Think about that. Think about that. How much do you want? He gives you that. Why do I love him? Because he's never exhausted or depleted. He always has more. Think about this. This is what you have, who you have inside of you. Why do I love him? I have found... As I've been studying these conversations with Jesus, I'm falling in love with him all over again. I'm, I'm just finding, I, I just love him. Because I found that he's more than enough. <laughs> he, has, he has everything I need. Why do I love him? I love him because he, hunger, he satisfies my hunger and my thirst. He says that if you come after me, and believe me, I'll satisfy your hunger and your thirst. Why do I love him? Because he knows what I need. I love him because he knows what to do. I'm going to pray for people this morning. If you want prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you just to come forward. If you feel hopeless, or if you've looked at situations, I'm, I'm going to ask Jesus to fill you. And you say, well, isn't, yeah, but I'm going to ask him to give you a realization of it. The disciples had him but they kept on growing in him. So if you need more of Jesus this morning, just come right now, and we're going to pray for you. Amen. If you need more of him, if you've got something inside of you that is just aching and aching and aching, I believe the miracle that happened then can happen today. So if you need him, just come forward right now. Just come right up. And I'm just going to pray that the bread of life will fill you. Amen. And if, if, you, if you're in your seats, if I can ask that you just stretch forth your hands. I'm just going to ask God to release who he is. And the bread of life to become reality. It, it, I'm not going to take too long.